right out the block, NBA free agency. KD, Kyrie, and DeAndre Jordan are headed to Brooklyn. The Sixers lose Jimmy Buckets, but they do get back Josh Richardson and Al Horford. The Celtics get Kemba. NBA free agency is crazy, and it's not done yet. Let's go. Except for Marcus Morris, all the top-level free agent talent has already signed. What you have right now is a waiting game, and that's between the Clippers, the Lakers, and the Raptors for the services of Finals MVP Kawhi Leonard. Once Kawhi Leonard commits, then you're going to have a bunch of veteran minimum players start signing left and right. The downside is if you're the Los Angeles Lakers and you've went all in on trying to acquire Kawhi Leonard, all the talented free agents that you targeted, they've already committed. They've already signed elsewhere. That's why I said it's Kawhi or bust for the Lakers. Because if Kawhi chooses to go back to the Raptors, which is what I think he's going to do, then the Lakers are going to be stuck with a team with, yes, they will have AD and LeBron. Kuzma's a good player. Not a great player, a good player. But they don't have a lot of talent. They have no depth. They don't even have a roster. Their roster is going to be full of veteran minimum players, guys who have had careers in the league, but they're not big, impactful players. Marcus Morris could be that if he's still available. The Lakers have gone so far in, they have let the talent pool be drained. Now you're talking about second, even third tier free agents being available. I think if you're the Clippers, it's different. Yes, you want Kawhi Leonard, but the Clippers already have their roster set. What they need is a superstar. But without Kawhi Leonard, the Clippers are actually a team that can make the playoffs like they did last year. Remember, the best bench in terms of production in the NBA with Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell. They can re-sign Gallinari, who's another 20-point scorer. Alexander, the, low, the young point guard, he's going to be a year better. Shamit, a great 3 and D young guy developing, proved himself this past season. Zubac, who they got from the Lakers, is a young big continuing to improve, and he's only 21 years old. This team has talent. Don't forget they got the toughness of the vet, Patrick Beverly, Dirty Bev. The Clippers have a roster. The Lakers have two top-level stars, but they have nothing else. And it looks like if he decides to go back to the Raptors, Look, the Clippers could survive. And they also have the assets. The Clippers have the assets. They could go out and make a trade. They could pursue somebody like Bradley Bill. The Lakers don't have any assets to make any kind of deal like that. They don't even have a roster. If they don't acquire Kawhi Leonard, they're going to have Anthony Davis, LeBron James, some vet minimums. They're going to be a playoff contender. They'll get into the playoffs. But they are not title contenders. I disagree with anyone who says that. They will be a top, they're not even top heavy. They have two top five players, but everybody else around them, they're average players at best. And then they have no depth. And we're talking about the age of load management. So you know LeBron James is going to miss 15 games for load management. You know Anthony Davis is going to miss 15 to 20 games for load management. Who's going to make up the production during that time 
for the Los Angeles Lakers. I just think at some point, somebody in the Lakers management, somebody in that front office has to realize we're, we're at the deadline. We're, we've passed the red line and we've got to go out and start acquiring talent, whatever's left that can help us, like a Marcus Morris, like a guy like Kelly Oubre, who's 23 years old, a great wing 3 and D defender. He's a restricted free agent, but you can make an offer. You have the cap space. You could do something like that. You can still go after Rondo. There are still a few players left that you can fill your roster out with, but those players are getting signed every day. And the longer you hold on to this, this pie-in-the-sky idea that you're going to have three top five players, which has never been done before, and I guess you're going to surround them, the three top five players, with a bunch of veteran minimums, and you're going to win a title that way, that seems more pie-in-the-sky versus reality. Hey, what's up, man? Waiting on you, fam. NBA free agency. Let's jump right into it. What we know did happen, so let's get to that. Top top of the board right off the block. The Nets get KD, Kyrie, and DeAndre Jordan. Obviously, right off the block, also, KD's not playing this season. So now you're talking about a Nets team with Kyrie, DeAndre Jordan, Along with Dimwitty, Joe Harris, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, are the Nets a better team, or are they basically the same team but make a slightly different cast? You really don't know, because um, I'll say they. I'll say they might be a slight better. I don't, I don't You know, it depends. You know, you, you all this season, you you see how they say Kyrie's a this team killer and stuff like that. But I think he's better than D'Angelo Russell. So you know, right? And I'm with you on that. So yes, D'Lo had a career year, and he didn't lead the Nets to the sixth seed last season. But so we're clear, that Nets team won 42 games. Now, barring major injury, I actually think this Nets team, as presently constructed, will win more than 42 games. Yes, basic, right, right up, the, we also know Kyrie's better than D'Angelo Russell. DeAndre Jordan is going to be an upgrade. Even though Jared Allen is up and coming young big, DeAndre Jordan is a better version of Jared Allen. Dimwitty's going to be a year better, along with Karis LeVert. He'll be healthy. He's going to get more minutes. I expect a big season coming back from him. So I think the next, obviously, they 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 made the big acquisitions. When you can get KD and Kyrie, those two names, you get two of the top three coming off the board. So that that that's a factor that really won't kick in till later, till next season, because we don't expect KD back until next season, and then we can fully judge what the Nets are going to be. But when you look elsewhere in the East, when you look at the Bucks, I'll give Milwaukee credit. They kept their core together, knew they were going to lose Brogdon because they gave, they gave Middleton and Lopez such big paydays. But they did get back Wes Matthews, who was a very good high-level 3 and D guy. So for the most part, you're bringing back the same core that went to the conference finals. So the real key is, if Giannis is able to add 
any kind of consistent mid-range or three-point jump shot, then the Bucks, I expect, will be back in the conference finals. Your thoughts? I, I agree. I agree. Everything that you say. Now, this one is kind of interesting. So the Sixers lose Jimmy Buckets. They lose J.J. Redding. But they keep Tobias Harris on a $180 million deal. They add Al Horford. And because of the sign and trade, they get Josh Richardson from the Heat. Are the Sixers better or worse going into this season? Uh, I mean, the names, you know, the... You know, they got the, the, the more names and everything, but I mean, them losing JJ Reddick and I don't know, and Jimmy is like, I think that they kind of got like a step slower. And I just think that the moves they did is kind of out of desperation, man. I think the Tobias Harris move, $180 million for Tobias Harris, yeah, that's, that's a we-got-to-save-face move. He's a very good player. But for anybody out there listening, if you're a basketball head, if you love ball but no ball, at best, Tobias Harris is a third or fourth option. He's not very good off the dribble, and he tends to disappear in big moments. And he's not a very good defender. Tobias Harris is not like Jimmy Butler light. It's funny because you and I were joking about the Lakers situation. And what we said was Tobias Harris is really more like a fit Jared Dudley. If you work out. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, and with, um, you can, you can arguably say that. And, um, he's going to be the second option for, um, in Philly, right? Well, this year, sure. I I think that Tobias Harris is slated to be the second option, but with the addition of Josh Richardson, who I think Josh Richardson is a, a really, really good 3 and D guy. He's athletic. He can shoot the three. Um, he can finish at the rim. He's not that good off the dribble. So Embiid, number one option. Tobias Harris, two. Probably Josh Richardson, three. And and. So what does that leave you with? Ben Simmons is probably going to give you another, what, 16, let's say 16, 8, and 8, which, which are great numbers overall. But ultimately, to me, unless he develops a consistent mid-range jump shot and makes himself a consistent scoring threat, not meaning he has to take more shots, but that he has to be available and be ready to take shots. When he has open looks, he can't be so quick to defer. He's got to take those shots. Whether he makes them or not, he still has to take them. If Ben Simmons comes back and he's the exact same player like he was this past season for the year, the Sixers, I don't think they'll go on a deeper run. I like Al Horford. He's a very good player. He's effective on both ends of the floor. He's a big that can stretch the floor. But he's at his best when he plays the five. If you have Al Horford and B and you're going to have them on the floor along with Tobias Harris, you're going to have one of the slower front courts, if not the slowest front court in the NBA. And I think that's going to be a problem defensively. I think they're going to be, I think there will be spacing issues because Embiid thinks he can shoot the three the way Al Horford does. But anybody that knows the Sixers is 
whenever Embiid is outside the arc, you invite him to take that shot. So how, how long you think the 76ers fans um start um hammering um Elton Brand? Well, I'll give them until the All-Star break. They're loving the team now. They might even love them beyond the All-Star break. But the Sixers fan base, I think they're going to judge them on what they do in the playoffs. So last year, they're one amazing shot away from going to the conference finals. And if to, let's say this. If Kawhi doesn't come back, they're in position to where they might meet the Bucks in the conference finals. Although my sleeper in the East would be the Pacers. And let's get to the Pacers. I thought the Pacers had a really good free agency. They added Jeremy Lim, who gives you 15 points a game. They added T.J. Warren from the Suns, an 18-point-a-game score. And they got Malcolm Brogdon, a great two-way player, a 50-40-90 guy from the Bucks. If you bring back a healthy Victor Oladipo with the three guys I just named, along with Miles Turner and Sabonis, I think the Pacers are switching to positionless basketball, and they kind of, um, they kind of, they they kind of doing a formula, kind of like um, maybe like in the Toronto, Milwaukee. Um, they kind of like um, they got they not like the sexy the sexy picks, but they're not. They kind of they kind of like the players that they. They pick kind of like fit the, the direction that they're trying to go in. No, they're they're not the biggest names. And but I was tell you this, Brogdon to me is a borderline all-star player. So he's not a sexy name, but if you put Brogdon with a healthy Victor Oladipo, you've got the best defensive backcourt in basketball. And it's a defensive backcourt where both of those guys can also get buckets on offense. Mm-hmm. Miles Turner will be a year better. That's 13.7 rebounds with two blocks. Sabonis almost won six men a year, 14 points, nine rebounds. And both of those guys, Turner and Sabonis, they're both just turning 22. To me, nobody's looking at Indiana, but that's the sleeper team in the East. I I guess um, I'll be hearing a lot from Rush on Man Laws this upcoming You know what? You know what? Rush is probably going to be mad happy about this offseason. And and honestly, I'm jealous of the offseason that the Pacers have had. Um, We'll get to that in a minute. And then you go to the Western Conference. So the Jazz, they added – they got shooting. They actually got Bogdanovich from the Pacers. They they added Mike Conley in a trade. They added Ed Davis. Um, They just added Jeff Green and Emmanuel Moutier. So – and a lot of people are certainly saying, like, well – the Jazz are favorites to win the title. They're talking about their title contenders. You lose favors, Crowder and Rubio. And I, I like the additions. I like all of the additions. But the only way I would ever consider the Jazz a title contender is Donovan Mitchell took a leap forward and not just put up numbers, but became a lot more efficient at putting up numbers. He's got to shoot high 40s and be a more efficient player. I like their additions, but if I'm being objective, we like Mike, Mike Conley and respect the fact that he's been underrated for years. Also very injury prone. He played almost the whole season last year, but 
he was on a mixed team that was getting drugged the whole season. They got they got destroyed the whole season. They 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 weren't tanking. They were just that bad. I don't know what you expect going forward with Mike Conley. I'm a fan, and I don't I don't dispute his talent. Tell me that Mike Conley takes the Jazz to the conference finals. Yeah, I don't see that. Uh, the way that you, the way that you kind of sound, and you kind of sounding like you think um, Spider's a little bit overrated. I admire his talent. I even acknowledge it, but I think that a lot of people keep saying like he's getting ready to be this. They said that the rookie year, then they said that um, this season. And he didn't really take a leap forward. Actually, he took a leap. He took a step back. He's just, he takes a lot of bad shots. He can be very erratic offensively. I know people get caught up in the highlights, but if you actually watch him play, he takes a lot of terrible shots early in the shot clock. And he's not an efficient basketball player. He has the potential to be a great two-way player, but he doesn't guard defensively on a consistent basis. I think Rudy Gobert is a terrific rim protector. But when people look at him, I think they see him as more than what he is. He's not a great scorer. He's not the big that you can throw into and say, go get buckets. He's a complimentary roll to the basket, that kind of big. I I just think when you look at the compliment, even though you added Bogdanovich and Conley and and a solid player like Ed Davis along with Jeff Green and Moutier, I don't see how this pushes them to the conference finals. I think they're going to be back in the playoffs, no question. And maybe they'll meet OKC again. And maybe that'll end with OKC losing in the first round again. But let, let's pump the brakes and let's see how this plays out before we just assume they're going to be in the conference finals because I don't have them there. If you look at what Portland did in free agency. So Portland adds Anthony Tolliver. They keep Rodney Hood. They got your boy from the Knicks, Mario Hazonia. They kept Layman, their guy, and they added Whiteside from the Heat. So they lost Aminu and Harkless, and in my opinion, I, I don't think you lost much of anything. Um, and they lost Cantor, who, yes, is a great offensive rebounder, but He's so bad defensively that I don't, I'm not sure it balances out. I just look at Portland, and we agreed on this before. I thought they overachieved last year by getting to the conference finals. I know that sometimes teams take steps. And if you, if you look at them, I know some people are thinking, well, the next step is they're going to go to the NBA finals. No, the next step is they're actually going to go to the conference semis if, if not get knocked out in the first round. I, I don't think last season – was the start of something unique. I don't think they, I still look at them and go, not enough firepower, not enough depth. I think it's still going to be all about Dame and CJ. And that's just asking too much from two undersized guards, as talented as they are. I mean, the way that you're sounding, ultimately, Portland's going to have to trade one of them guys. Well, they just gave Dame the max extension for 196. You could trade him. And I'm a big Dame Lillard fan. I'm I'm actually a fan of both of them. I just don't think the two of them alone is enough to get the team into the NBA finals. And I don't think that management, their management has added that third guy, that third difference maker. They still haven't done it. Whiteside 
can be a double-double big. We know this. He can give you 16 and 13 and three blocks when he's motivated. The problem is he's not often motivated. He's actually really big at underachieving, and he's brittle. He's injury-prone. I know he was excited for the trade, and and it seems like he's ready to start a new chapter in his career. Look, and I'm not rooting against the guy. He's not enough to change my mind about Portland. I think the Blazers, I think they're they're one of those franchises that this is probably their make or break season. I think they're going to realize maybe even before the season's over that they need to make a drastic change. And you're right. It's going to be, you know, most people think they'll keep Dame, but maybe Dame is the guy that ultimately brings them back more. Mm-hmm. When I look at Golden State, we know what happened with the defending champs. They lost to the Raptors. We know KD was injured. We know that whole situation. Who were they going to be able to bring in? Who were they going to be able to keep? Well, they made some moves. They traded Iguodala and got back D'Angelo Russell. So they got D'Lo. They retained Kevin Looney. They added Willie Cauley-Stein. They gave Clay the Supermax. So when I look at them, what they're bringing back in return, I actually think if they can stay healthy, they've got an outside shot at making the playoffs. But I'm more interested in what they're going to do next offseason when it's time to pay Draymond. You, you kind of get the feeling that they're going to they're going to kind of have to give Draymond his money. There was a time when I said there's no that way they would give a complimentary star the super max. But after seeing what some of these guys got, I think I think Draymond's in good shape. I think he's in good mm-hmm. shape. After seeing Tobias Harris get 180, I like Chris Middleton for 178. <laughs> after seeing that, after seeing fit Jared Dudley get 180, I think Draymond and Aiden have a lot to work with. They're going to get their money. That, that's just me. You look at what OKC did, they basically bring back the same squad. They kept Noel. They brought in Burks. I, I think that OKC, it, it isn't about – everybody thinks it's about the surrounding players. I'm going to go a different way. I've said this before. You have to find a coach, someone that he respects enough to where Russ can alter his playing style. I don't think he can handle the ball late game situations. He doesn't make good decisions. He takes horrible shots. And if, if until you change those dynamics, and that's the biggest dynamic about the Thunder is your point guard is also the guy that takes the most shots. That and he's not a and he's not a shooter. That's the crazy part. He's not a shooter, and everybody knows he's not a shooter, including himself. They will always have a limited ceiling of success until that changes. And the funny part about that is, as I speak, we both know that ain't gonna change. Yeah. Uh, yeah. OKC is not gonna hire a coach to um, do that to Russ. I just don't see it. So what is what is what you see is what you get. And again, you're, these are two fans of Russell Westbrooks. I just think that when you, when you point out a negative or you say, well, this is what I don't like about this player, that player, that means that you hate on them and you dislike them. I think the things that make Russ great, that make him special, sometimes are the same things that ultimately hurt his team's success. And I'll leave it at that. So here we are now. We know what happened. Here's what hasn't happened. Lakers, Clippers, 
Raptors, all waiting on the decision of Kawhi Leonard. If you're the Clippers and you don't get Kawhi, yes, it, it will have been a disappointing free agency. But that same roster, they made the playoffs last year. And they've got some young talent that's still evolving, still getting better. They're bringing back Patrick Beverly. They still have the number one bench in basketball with Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell. You can re-sign Gallinari. They got Zubac from the Lakers. They have talent. This, this team, without Kawhi, will just be a good team. But you know what? You can stay the course and wait till the next opportunity. Maybe they can make a trade and get somebody like Bradley Bill. But I think the Clippers, to me, if they don't get Kawhi, will be the will be the team that will be least hurt by not getting him. If the Raptors don't get him, not only do they not have a chance to repeat and be, be two-time champs, I'm not sure the Raptors, as presently constructed, I know they have some proven veterans. I don't know if they make the playoffs. I think if, if Kawhi doesn't – if Kawhi, you know, leaves, to, leaves the Raptors, I think they'll just um, – they'll look to trade um, Lowry and then they'll look to just rebuild. And they'll probably try to rebuild about around Siakam, who we both think is an improving and developing player. So I agree with that, not to mention they've got a healthy young newbie coming back. They have some young talent. But here you go. You're the Los Angeles Lakers. You're waiting on Kawhi Leonard. And all of the free agents that you have targeted, that you had planned to add to your roster, they've all signed. They've all moved on. How devastating for the Lakers is is it going to be if Kawhi goes back to the Raptors or goes to the Clippers? Like, everybody thinks adding Kawhi makes the Lakers the favorites. I get that. You're going to have three top five players. But you and I already had this discussion. In the history of basketball, when has one team had three of the top five players? Uh, I guess... Russell Celtics. I knew you were going to say that. I knew he was going to say that. Here's the funny, <laughs> here's the funny thing. Can we talk about as much respect to the, the Celtics dynasty and the great Bill Russell and all those teams? There's a good chance that those Celtics might have had like six of the top seven players. I don't know. They, they were so, think about this. They had guys coming off the bench that were Hall of Famers. That's how deep they were. Don't, don't get me started on how they kept winning championships, but they still were getting, like, the high draft picks. I don't even know how that works. I don't know how that works. Uh, but, I, but I digress. My point is, you're the Lakers. You've got LeBron. You've got AD. You've got two of the top five. Why are you sweating Kawhi when what you should have been doing is building out, building out your roster? The Lakers should have went after Malcolm Brogdon. The Lakers should have looked to sign a guy like Bogdanovich. They should have looked to add a guy like Jeremy Lamb and somebody like that, or Wes Matthews, or a Willie Cauley-Stein who just signed with the Warriors for less than $3 million. Yeah, because it's funny because when, when we had this discussion and, and I was called you and said, oh, yeah, yeah, I finally got a, you know, got AD. You said, he said, knowing the Lakers – they're going to go after Kawhi. And you said it about two weeks ago. You said they got to stop playing around and build around them. Or, you know, 
basically you you felt that Kawhi was just just going to meet with them just to just just to make fun of them, you know, just with the whole attention of at the end of the at the end he ain't going to sign with the Lakers. You said that two weeks ago. Look, I. I'm not saying that, Omo, oh, you don't you wouldn't want the Kawhi Leonard on your team. Of course I would. What I am saying is, and I don't mind being wrong, I don't see how Kawhi Leonard joins LeBron in AD when his whole identity, the whole persona, the narrative about him that he and especially Uncle Dennis, he's anti joining up. He's anti being part of a big three. If that's who you really are and you're trying to establish your own brand and you're trying to sell the maybe greatest pair of lawnmower shoes ever in New Balance, <laughs> because that's all New Balance is good for is lawnmowers cutting grass. But if you're really that guy and they say you're that guy and Uncle Dennis swears by that, then to me, the Lakers waiting for him, they've hurt their own offseason because I don't see – if how, how does he live up to that, that billing and sign with the Lakers? Again – Everybody out there listening, I'm not saying I wouldn't want him. What I am saying is, from a basketball standpoint, when you're trying to develop your brand and build yourself up the way he has, I don't see why he would ever go there. It seems to me like Kawhi and Uncle Dennis are just jerking the Lakers around. That's my view. Um, my they, feeling is they go back to the Raptors. And what they, re- I mean, what they request, you know, is like. I want to meet up with Magic. What do you want to meet up with Magic for? Right. I want to talk to this guy. And the way that they, you know, the way that they said, you know, they asking for everything. They like, well, I want to meet Iron Man and Thor. <laughs> that's that's the crazy stuff. So when you hear Uncle Dennis and him making, and, and it goes to show you, just because you don't talk a lot, it doesn't mean you can't be a little bit on the drama side. Kawhi and Uncle Dennis. Want to make sure I, that he has as much power as LeBron? It, to me, you know what, man? Shoot, not for nothing, man. Uncle Dennis and Kawhi kind of make um LeBron and um and Rich Paul look like Malcolm X, right? I'm starting to think that Uncle Dennis and Kawhi are basically just giving Rich Paul and LeBron their own medicine, <laughs> right? Next thing you know, Uncle Dennis wants to be on the shop and. Uh, yeah, um, Uncle, Uncle Dennis probably wants a cameo in um, Space Jam too. And um, Kawhi wants to do a remake of Juice, or or maybe Kawhi wants to do like a remake of Above the Rim. Um, <laughs> you can, and Uncle Uncle Dennis can play the Bernie Mac role. I was gonna say, yeah, man, he can be Flip. You know what happened to Flip? Yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, look, big picture, I just think that when you look at the landscape of the NBA, and you know that the NBA is a star-driven league, most of these guys try to establish their own identity one way or another. If you've been all about, I'd rather play against LeBron than with him, I just I find it hard to believe that you would join the Lakers. And I'm not trying to disappoint Laker fans out there. I'm I'm just saying your whole – your whole persona, the the whole narrative about you is you're anything but about teaming up with other guys. 
And it seems like Uncle Dennis and Kawhi are like, well, we'll just keep them waiting and waiting and waiting. And meanwhile, while they're waiting, all the guys that they've targeted are gone. So not just the first tier guys. The second tier guys are gone. You're into the third tier now. The only guys that were first tier guys that are still on the board is Marcus Morris. And I think Marcus Morris is really just waiting for an offer that he thinks he's worthy of. Uh, I think the teams have probably lowballed him. And I, and I wouldn't do that. You're talking about a guy that can play the three and the four. He can play defense. He brings toughness. He can shoot from distance. And he's consistent. I, mean, the Lakers, I know the Lakers want him, but the problem again is they're waiting on Kawhi. You know what? Wouldn't it be kind of genius on Kawhi's part the 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 fuck over LeBron to a point that it'll be no bench help left and it's a chance that LeBron and AD might not make the playoffs? Well, at this point, LeBron and company, Rich Paul and company, they might be calling up Richard Jefferson and Channing Frye. I mean, that they, they might be trying to put the band back together. He might give uh, Battier a text or or Mike Miller. Like, the, the talent pool in free agency is drying up and it's thinning out. And you really are left, other than Marcus Morris, unless you want to go after a restricted guy, who I think is worth it in Kelly Oubre. But other than those two guys, you're looking at guys that are all veteran minimum guys. And if you've got AD and LeBron, what happens when one of them goes to the bench or when both of them go to the bench? Or what happens, because this is going to happen, when one of them is in the, is in the middle of load management? Maybe he's taking the next five games off, right? Because you know that's going to happen. Like, who's going to be the guy that could be like, let's say the secondary guy to Anthony Davis or the secondary guy to LeBron James. I know people think it's Kuzma. They have to stop doing that. Kuzma's a very good player, but I think the best version of him, the best position for him is coming off the bench as a sixth man. The perception is he's a shooter. The reality is he shoots a lot, but he's not a shooter. He gets most of his buckets moving without the ball in transition or from garbage points, but He's not a pure shooter. He's a streak shooter at best. The Lakers have to add another scorer. And I just don't – unless unless you get Marcus Morris, they're not going to be able to do that. I tell you, man, you know what? And you just kind of like – you know, before we did the show and we was talking, and then he was talking about the Pelicans, you know, Wow, man. What – wouldn't it be kind of ironic that that them two, the Pelicans and the Lakers, be fighting for the last playoff spot, and and then they the then they had to play like a game, and whoever lost didn't make you know was knocked out the playoffs, man. You, not for nothing, man. Um, the Pelicans got a nice squad, man. Look, I told you when I looked at what this, they have right now, what they obtain with the trade and what they did in free agency, I think the Pelicans, if Zion is even half of what people think he is, the Pelicans are going to go to the playoffs. With Zion, they already had a young core of Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, two veterans, Drew Holiday, J.J. Reddick, and Derek Favors. So they can actually have a starting lineup of Derek Favors, 
Zion, Brandon Ingram, um, Lonzo Ball, and Drew Holiday with Josh Hart and Reddick coming off the bench. I mean, they, they have they have a lot of talent. It's crazy. They've paired the young talent with some veterans. And I actually think that I, I really do think, you know, chemistry is everything. But I would not be shocked if the Pelicans make the playoffs. Because you know what? When you really think about it, you got Drew Holiday. He can give you about 20 points. Brandon um, Ingram can give you about 17, 19. You know what? You're surrounding them with paper. You know, they got J.J. Reddick. You know what? If you think about it, Zion ain't going to really have no pressure, man. No. He could probably, I, and you he know could, what? You know, he could probably average – 15 and 8, 15 and 10? He might. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if he averaged, let's say, I don't know, 18 and 9 or somewhere in that range. That'll, that wouldn't that'll, shock that'll, me. That, that'll be even better. But, um, you know. But, but, but you're right. What they've done is by adding that kind of talent along with that combination of the youth and the veterans, because like you said, Drew Holiday, great two-way player. He can give you 20 a night, 9 assists. J.J. Reddick's good for 15 points a game. Fair, uh, Derek Favors, my bad. Derek Favors, he's a, he's a low double-double guy. Favors can give you double digits, points, and rebounds. And I do think that Brandon Ingram is a consistent enough scorer. I think the best thing for Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball was getting away from LeBron James. I do. Now, I, I don't know if either of them will be all-stars. I've told you before, though, I thought that I could see Brandon Ingram becoming an all-star caliber player. I think Lonzo will be a very, very good player. I don't think he's going to be the transcendent player that a lot of people project him to be. But, look, there's nothing wrong. If your career turns out that you're just very, very good and you're part of a team that wins multiple championships, there's nothing wrong with that career at all. I actually, like I said, when it's all said and done, when you look at the Pelicans top to bottom, I would be shocked if they didn't make the playoffs. I wanted to make this a quick show and get this out to the fam, especially our Philadelphia brethren, and see see how they feel about their Sixers and our responses and stuff. So I'm gonna ask you one question about each each conference H, and then then we'll wrap it up. So this is in the East. If Giannis adds a consistent perimeter game, are the Bucks the favorites to go to the NBA Finals from the East? I mean, if I had to sit there and think about it, nah. I okay. mean, what if, if um, okay, it, it depends if okay if if Kawhi if Kawhi goes back to Toronto. Well, you know what? Let me let me add that caveat. Right. So, if if Kawhi comes back, let's say he comes back to the Raptors. But Giannis does add a, a consistent 14 or 15-foot perimeter jump shot. Are the Bucks the team to beat, or is it the Raptors? I still say the Raptors. Okay. I'll tell you on that. And in the Western Conference, if the Lakers swing and miss on Kawhi, can they still contend for a title?
I'll say no. I'm gonna I'm gonna go no, and I'm a Laker fan, but no. But you're on you're a no too. <laughs> I mean, you know, you got Denver. You. <sighs> Hmm. You know what? Let me think about that. Be careful about that West. The Denver makes sense. I think that year of playoff experience, they're a year older, that young core a lot, a- along with those veterans, not to mention they're getting back a healthy Michael Porter Jr., who, who might be the X factor that really takes them to another level. I have Denver provide- – now, we can't predict health, providing they can avoid major injuries. I have Denver in the conference finals. And I think team if i was going to say it right now today they're going to meet if let's assume this is assuming Kawhi goes back to the raptors not stays in the west i think the team they're going to end up meeting it's probably going to be that crazy helter skelter team from houston to be clear i'm not riding off the lakers you can't write off any team that has two top five players but i am looking around and seeing the landscape of the entire league And when you look at the landscape of the league and how it shifted, they thought initially they had played their cards well, which they did. They acquired Anthony Davis. That alone means they had a great offseason, but it's incomplete. If all you have are those two great players and you haven't put good players around them, remember, great players can make good players better, but you need good players to take pressure off your great players to help them. You need shooters. You need wing defenders. You need another guy that can create for himself and others off the dribble. Those are assets that they currently don't have. When I look at the Pelicans, for instance, Zion Williams, Derek Favors, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Drew Holiday, J.J. Redick, they've got a squad. They've put together a decent squad. No, they don't have the star power. It doesn't sound sexy when you roll off the roster, but if Zion Williams turns out to be anything like what he's been projected to be, when I look at the rest of that roster, yes, I think the Pelicans are going to make the playoffs. And yes, top to bottom, the Pelicans have more talent than the Lakers. And I'm keeping it 100. Look, this isn't prisoner of the moment stuff. I'm just really saying, look at both teams. Basketball is five on five. And the truth of the matter is, basketball is more like nine versus nine. Most teams go nine deep. Most teams have an identity. Everybody plays a role. Most teams, guys, if you're a specialist, if you're a shooter, if you're a defender, a three and D guy, if you're a post player, everybody has a role. What the Lakers have is two top five players, but they have no identity and they have no other playmakers. So what I'm saying is when I look at the offseason, when I look at how free agency has played out, it's not over, but they're waiting for Kawhi. And to me, the common sense thinking is that guy's not coming. He's not coming to the Lakers. And I think the only reason he's not already a Clipper is because Jimmy Butler got off the map. There's not a second star to pair him with. As talented as the Clippers are, Lou Williams is a great six man. 
but he's not a star. They don't have a second star, and I think that's why Kawhi is not going to be a Clipper unless the Clippers can pull off some last-minute deal and bring another guy in like a Bradley Bill or someone on that level. My gut feeling is if they're going to make an announcement and they're going to hold off until Friday, it's only because they're actually trying to give the Clippers time to make something happen. And if that doesn't happen, I believe Kawhi Leonard is going to be a Toronto Raptor, which would place them back in the conference finals versus the Milwaukee Bucks this time next season. And I think that the Clippers, even if they miss out, will be a playoff contender. You're the Los Angeles Lakers, and you've got two top five players, but you got greedy. So most of the fam that follows the show knows that I usually drop an episode on Tuesdays. But with so much information going on, so much player movement, all the different developments throughout the week, I decided to wait the week out, take in all the information, and then try to put out a show on Friday, even though there's no guarantee Kawhi Leonard will have made a decision, but there will be more player movement. And I want to touch on two more franchises that I thought made really big moves. I'm not sure how they'll ultimately impact those franchises, but they were really big moves. So first, the Celtics. The Celtics managed to replace Kyrie Irving with Kimball Walker, a player with a similar skill set. And maybe more importantly, he doesn't bring the drama that Kyrie is known for. Of course, that signing makes sense, and, and I get why they did it from that standpoint. But Kimba isn't a savior. For the Celtics to be better than last season's team, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have to both make big leaps in their development. Tatum, I think, has to play at an all-star level, along with Gordon Hayward. If they can do this, then I can see the Celtics having a better season than last year's team. But the Celtics will be a different team when you think about what they've been known for the last three seasons, and that's their ability to get stops. They're not going to be as good defensively with a Kimball Walker and an Ennis Cantor on their roster. My guess is Danny Ainge will be looking to add more depth and more talent to that roster. Staying in the East, the Miami Heat got Jimmy Buckets in a sign and trade with Philly, and Jimmy Buckets got his max and he got South Beach. My only question is this. What is the Heat's plan going forward? Jimmy Buckets is a two-way all-star, but he's not a superstar, and he's also 29 with a lot of miles and a lot of minutes on that body. Who's the second option on that roster that's going to help him share the offensive load? Who's the other playmaker that can create for themselves and for others? In my opinion, it's a big signing, but is it the type of signing that's going to make Miami a title contender? My answer is no. In my opinion, the Don, Pat Riley, the guy, Riles, he's got work to do. This signing is only relevant. This signing only has real impact if they're able to make some kind of deal and add another star to Jimmy Buckets, like a Bradley Bill. If they can pull something like that off, then the Miami Heat are legit title contenders. We're looking out for the Kawhi Leonard signing. Like I said, we're dropping this on Friday. It's the Cypher. Good looking out Facebook fam, YouTube fam, man lost, third rail. Hey, Philly fans, you're going to be okay. Josh Richardson, he's nice. Al Horford, 
true professional, underrated player, I think you stay in title contention. Whether or not you get over the hump, I think that's up to Elton Brand and what he does with your bench. It's the Cypher. Next time. Thank you.